You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Our scripture this morning is one that is extremely familiar to many of us. As Holly reads it for us in a moment, I'd invite you to be listening with fresh ears and to imagine what it might have been like to be there on that very first Christmas when the news was shared for the first time and the shepherds rushed off to Bethlehem to see what is this thing really about. Let's listen as Holly reads the scripture. A reading from the second chapter of Luke, verses 8 through 20. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those who he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please join me in an attitude of prayer. God, as we revisit this old, old story, help us to approach it with a fresh spirit. Help us to listen and hear your word for us today. Bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts that they might be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. I have an ornament on my tree that I got last year, and it is a baby's first Christmas ornament that I got from the church. It says joy on it in silver lettering. And for me, it's an especially great joy to see that ornament on the tree because I've shared with some of you before that uh, my husband Joel and I had a very long road of several years to becoming parents. And so to see that ornament that first Christmas with our daughter, Maxine. It's just such a wonderful gift, and it's a fulfillment of so much hope and so much waiting and so much heartache along the way. On that Sunday last year, when we celebrated baby's first Christmas, not just for my daughter, but for all of the babies who had been born in the last year, uh, Mary Knaus, one of our church members, measured a piece of red ribbon and she cut the red ribbon to be the same length as the height that Maxine was last year. 
What a cute little baby Maxine was in 2019. She's still a cute baby. And the ribbon inside of this ornament captures a moment in time because Maxine is a lot bigger and taller now than she was at this time last year. I mean, go figure. Maxine is walking, she's talking, she's running around and eating solid food and petting the dog and doing all kinds of things that she wasn't able to do last Christmas, last December. That's the thing about babies, really. We want them to grow. We want them to learn new things. We want them to be different each year, each month. And that's how it is with things like joy as well. We want joy to grow. Joy is intended to grow. Now, it's the third Sunday of Advent. It's a traditional time to talk about joy. We light a pink candle in particular to celebrate and remember. We often think of joy as a feeling, and sometimes it is. Joy has been described as an inner feeling of contentment or satisfaction or peace. Joy isn't dependent on outside factors like happiness sometimes is. Joy is this deep and abiding love of God, love for the world, sense that everything's going to be okay in some sense because God is with us. But other times joy is an action rather than a feeling. In the Old Testament, joy was often tied to behaviors or responses, things that could be done. So joy meant people would shout or they would cry out loud. Joy meant people singing or dancing or having a feast, eating. That was a sign of joy. I love it. Methodists all over the world love that joy could be feasting. Joy might have meant playing a drum, playing a trumpet. These were signs of joy. This is the way that joy was expressed. And I like this definition of joy because if joy is a verb, then it's something we can pursue through our actions and we can hold lots of emotions in tension at the same time as we express our joy. So think about the shepherds in the scripture. They're in the countryside. They're far from town. They don't have any flashlights to help them see. They don't have cell phones to help them communicate. All they have is their sheep for company when they have this otherworldly experience, this encounter with angels, first it's one angel, then it's a heavenly host of angels, the first words out of the angel's mouth are, do not be afraid. So we can assume they may have needed some reassurance. Why else would you start with, don't be afraid, (laughs) don't worry. I'd be a bit scared too if an angel visited me while I was out in the middle of nowhere with sheep. These shepherds are the first ones outside of the immediate family to hear that Jesus has been born, and the angel makes it clear what they have to do next. You'll find a sign, the angel said, a baby swaddled, lying in a feeding trough, a manger. And to find the sign, they have to visit Bethlehem, another sort of -of out-of-the-way place, a small town. How many emotions must have been swirling through them that night after encountering the angel? Fear, maybe? Like, what is happening right now? Nervousness? Uh, Is this real? Am I seeing things? Maybe they had doubt. Like, is this all a hoax? Or perhaps excitement. Like, God could really be speaking to us here. 
maybe even some joy because the Savior that everyone had been waiting for for so long had finally been born. Or maybe some of them didn't even have that many emotions, or at least none that they wanted to talk about, and they just wanted to think about things and say, okay, well, let's go check it out. Let's see what's happening. Getting the news from the angels is just the start of this experience. Once they got to where Jesus and Mary and Joseph were, it becomes even more real for them. They find baby Jesus there in the manger, and they tell Mary what they've heard from the angel, and the scripture says she treasured all these things in her heart. And ultimately, they return to their field, telling anybody who will listen what has happened to them, what they've seen, what they've heard. Now, we know from the scripture story that the shepherds were the first to hear the news, but they, they weren't the last. They told everyone that they knew, and then the word spread, and pretty soon there are these kings from distant lands who are showing up with gifts for Jesus. And the joy that was experienced by the shepherds in the field becomes magnified and shared and spread across the world in a way that they never could have anticipated. When I think of joy spreading, joy growing uh, in ways that are unexpected or um, you know, unanticipated, I think of that final scene from How the Grinch Stole Christmas, like the old school animated edition uh, before the most recent live action one that uh, is also really popular these days. So there's this little scanner, like an x-ray kind of thing, a screen that's held over the Grinch's heart. And at the end of the movie, by the time his ways are changed, it goes from this itty-bitty little heart to a heart that grows bigger and bigger and eventually breaks the edges of the scanner because his joy and his heart and his love and his generosity has grown so much. The implication is it can't even be seen on a screen. I love that image. The thing about joy is it comes when we least expect it, and sometimes it comes in the midst of other things that are difficult, that are challenging. Most of you probably don't know this, but I lost my grandma this past week. Barbara Ruth Crum was her name, and she was 95 years old, almost 96 by the time she died. And uh, my grandfather was a United Methodist clergy person in Michigan, so they lived all over. They lived in Detroit, they lived in Allen Park, Waterford, Goodrich, One of my grandma's favorite scripture passages was from Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. She also really liked to quote from Paul. She'd say, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. She had a wonderful way of sharing joy with people. And it wasn't some kind of fake joy. It was a joy earned in many cases through struggle, through hardship, in spite of challenges. My grandma struggled with anxiety and depression throughout her life, and in 2020, of course, there's still stigma associated with mental illness and mental health issues, but back in the 1940s, the 1950s, depression was not something people understood. It wasn't something people talked about, at least not in a good way, and While I can't pretend to know what my grandma went through, battling a disease without many good options for medication or treatment, without much understanding or support from the world around you, it couldn't have been easy. 
some of you share that struggle and you know how difficult it can be. I don't know that my grandma always felt jovial throughout her life, but she certainly lived out her joy and she shared it whenever she could. And she had a deep and abiding need to share joy with other people. So she wrote notes to friends and family constantly up until the last years when it was really difficult for her physically. And even then she would dictate. She taught me this word amenuensis, which means the person who writes on your behalf. It was not uncommon to receive a card from her that was filled with writing on the front and the back, and usually she had some story that she wanted to share with you or some news from family or friends that she wanted to convey. She was the type of person who made phone calls regularly to check in, to hear how life was, to share stories of her own, and she chatted with anyone and everyone. She had a talent for learning what was going on in other people's lives and what it was that she shared in common with people. We can't always choose how we feel. We can't always choose what struggles will befall us. But we can choose how to live out joy. There's a scripture passage from Isaiah that says it like this. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. It sounds like something out of a Broadway musical, doesn't it? But in fact, it's often read at funerals. It's speaking about the steadfast peace and love that we can encounter in God. But I also read it as a scripture saying, okay, the first step is go out where you'll find joy. You have to take the first step. And then joy will multiply. It starts with you and me taking that first step But then joy is going to spread to the mountains and the hills and the trees and the fields until you get a whole musical effect and everything is crying out with joy. Even when we're grieving, like at a funeral, even when it feels like we're falling apart, even when we're angry or we're scared or we're stressed, each one of us has something that we can do, something that we can choose to do right now in our personal lives that will help joy grow in our own lives and in the lives of others. Maybe it's writing a note to someone to let them know that you're thinking about them. Maybe it's a phone call to reach out to someone and see how they're doing and just listen. Maybe it's intentionally offering a compliment, building somebody up, offering affirming words, especially if they're feeling down or feeling stressed. Maybe it's sending a small care package to somebody. I don't know what it might be for you. Depends where you live, who you are, what stage of life you're in. But it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. There's something each one of us can do. There's something each one of us is being called to do by God. Now, just like Maxine, who will never be as small as she was last year, which is a wonderful thing, uh, but also a slightly sad thing, joy is intended to grow. Joy is intended to expand, to change, to grow bigger with each passing day, and to be shared. Just like the shepherds in the field, 
Jesus is good news to us too. And we hear it again, we receive it again fresh this Christmas, this December. So what are we going to do to share joy today? What will we do to grow joy in our own lives today? How will we help grow joy in the world today? What will we put out into the world to share joy with others? Join me in answering that question today. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.